Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Matthew chapter 6 and verses 9 and 10, you'll recognize this passage immediately. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed or holy and exalted, be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about the contest of wills. What we're doing on Sundays and what we're doing on Wednesdays are supposed to kind of flow uh, together because the Lord's been really impressing me lately that the clock is ticking and it's ticking down and we need to be ready for the things that are coming. And so tonight I know I want to talk about don't miss it. A lot of people are. A lot of people are. The Lord spoke to me and through, and through me to this congregation in September of 2002. And he said, I weep for my people who are about to be left behind. I just got more revelation on that very thing within the last 48 hours. And I'll be sharing more about that. It's not to get, I need to get it all fleshed out and everything. But that is the beginning. They asked, his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. So this isn't the Lord's prayer. This is the disciples prayer. The Lord's prayer is the one over in John 17. All right. So pray then in this way, our father who is, who art in heaven or who is in heaven, hallowed, holy, be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, if you skip a little further down in the prayer, vis-a-vis verse 13, you'll see this. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil or more literally the evil one. And then you'll see a bracket in the New American Standard. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And a closed bracket. The reason the New American Standard places that uh, that particular sentence in brackets is because it is not found in some of the oldest manuscripts. That said, everything that is in that sentence is 100% scriptural. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Yours. We sing that song, it's all yours. Right. So let's just dissect that little bit right there, that little pericope, as they would say in in uh, uh, in, in ecclesiastical circles. Uh, he you know, he says yours is the kingdom that would be the domain, the domain, the dominion of the king where he is the ruler. He is the regent. Yours is the power. That is the ability, the strength. Yes, the force that backs up that authority. I'm telling you, saints, if God's force, if his strength, if his power doesn't show up, we're toast. Simple as that. And yours is the kingdom, yours is the power and the glory. His very presence, the manifest presence 
of God. You know, a few years ago, there was, it was so, you know, there was all the glory, the glory, the glory, the glory, all the, you know, they were, you know, the charismatic movement was just a buzz with, you know, the glory was in St. Louis, the glory was in Austin, the glory was in Minneapolis. Actually, I don't think any glory ever showed up in Minneapolis, but I digress. No, my wife's from Minnesota. I better be careful. Um, you know, but no, the glory is in Minneapolis. No, it's over in St. Paul. The glory is, you know, and, and people were talking about, you know, the shining cloud and all this stuff, you know, and hooray for all of that. I'm not besmirching any of that. And usually because of scripture and because of some of the sightings that people have made, we associate the glory of God with light. Like a, a a bright cloud, you know, and that's scriptural because in first John chapter one and verse five, the apostle says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Do you understand that the glory of God, the presence of God, the manifest power of God is what we seek it is what we, for that for which we hunger and thirst. It is that that is going in the days to come to shine so brightly that even, you know, don't get me wrong, there will be people who will look straight at it and be like a cow in a new gate and have absolutely no idea what they're saying and don't care. But there will be so many who will. Think about this. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 says this, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead, through, meaning by means of, it's an instrumental, the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Do you understand that God wants to put his glory on you? Now it might not be visible to others. It might not even be visible to you. In fact, I'm almost going to guarantee you it won't be. That said, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it isn't there. And like the Levites of old, we are called to carry the presence of God on our shoulders. That's what got David in trouble. You don't send God. That's what cost Uzzah his life. You know, you, you don't send, you know, they, they were bringing the cart, they were bringing the, the ark back on a cart, which is, you know, the way the Philistines had sent it back to them. And so we don't do things the way the world does. Amen. We don't do things the way the Philistines do. We do things the way, and finally David was so upset, he left it at the house of Obed-Edom, and then he found out that Obed-Edom's house was greatly blessed during that like two or three month period. And, and David went to the priest and said, well, what did I do wrong? And they said, well, plenty. And they explained to him the way the, the, the ark is to be carried on the shoulders of the people. Now, the ark was not only supposed to be carried on the shoulders of the priests, but also it was to be covered. But we live in a day when God wants to uncover his glory. You know what the word for uncover is in Greek? It is the word apocalypsis. We get our word apocalypse directly from it. When it says it is the apocalypse of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the days ahead are not the revelation of the devil, it's the revelation of Jesus. Amen. Man, if you can't get excited about that, man, we, we're going to 
we're going to get down and dirty with, with uh, Elijah. Amen. Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. The Father exerted his authority over the power of death through his glory. Now, there is another understanding of his glory. And we see that in Romans 8.11. But if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Now, wait a minute. I thought it says the glory raised Jesus from the dead. Well, here it says the spirit raised him from the dead. So wherever the spirit is, the glory is at least potential for manifestation. Hallelujah. Because it goes on to say, even as it's so we too might walk in newness of life. Romans 8, 11, that was 6, 4. Romans 8, 11, that um, if the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. How many of you are wearing a mortal body? How many of you could use a dose of power? Amen. Amen. I'll just settle for physical energy on some occasions. All right. Through his spirit who dwells in you. I want you to hear me. That glory is the, the spirit can manifest as the glory. It's potential. His glory is potential everywhere. That's why Jesus prayed the way he did in verse 10. He said, your kingdom come of Matthew 6. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That is not a request. In the Greek, that is the imperative mood, meaning it is a command. Now, we're not bossing God around. Heavens no. What are we? I know people who try to do that and it's not ever successful. But we, what Jesus was teaching us to do is to invoke his very presence. Your kingdom, your, your power, your authority, your force come speaking it into the earth, speaking it into my life, speaking it into my situation. Your will be done. What you want done. Not what I want done. Certainly not what the devil wants done. Not what the government wants done. I was telling a couple of guys today, the, the buzzer rang. And I went, we weren't expecting anybody. So I went and opened the door and there's two people, two guys from the assessor's, Jackson County Assessor's Office standing there. I said something to them about how popular they are right now. And he said, yeah, do you want my autograph? <laughs> and I said... And he said, we're just here to let you know we're going to be on your property. Don't freak out. And they're wearing all this stuff that, you know, says, you know, assessor across the back of it. <laughs> Target. And uh, they're real nice guys, both of them. And I, I said, well, we're not subject to tax. He goes, oh, I know. He said, but it's been a while since it's been measured and all that. He said, we're he said, we're doing today and tomorrow. Next week, he said, we're doing churches. We're doing schools and we're doing city property he said all the stuff that is tax exempt but it has to go into the database for federal reasons and get and all this other kind of stuff and I, you know, when i said you know it's tax exempt somebody said for now 
And I said, oh yeah, I said, anytime the government comes around, particularly Jackson County, my spider sense starts tingling. Some of you know what that means. Well, the fact is, we are, when in Matthew 6 and 10, Jesus is invoking not the power of human government, but the power of heavenly government. Your kingdom come, your kingdom in break, your kingdom invade, your kingdom be manifest. You do your will, Lord. It's a declaration of the release of heaven's reality right here, right, here, right now, and in this situation. Amen. This is an act of faith based upon the authority and the power of God and the scripture. When in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, if you'll start, it says that when he saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountain and his disciples came to him. It doesn't say the whole multitude came. It was just the disciples, at least at the start. And he began to teach them. He starts with the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the humble, the, the, you know, the, the teachable, for they shall inherit the land. You know, blessed, you know, and happy are, are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be fed. All of those things. And in the rest of the chapter, he goes on and teaches on every one of those beatitudes. He, you know, under each one of the Beatitudes is a rubric. It's a heading. It's a, it, you know, it is a subject line and he teaches on every one of them. Now, by the end of the message, he is apparently other people have come in. Other people have filtered in because he begins to address the, the broader crowd and he speaks of the false prophets in all. But it says in 728, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not as their scribes. He was teaching. He wasn't preaching here. He was teaching. Why? He is attempting to get their thinking lined up with heaven so that they could. And again, he was teaching his disciples. He was trying to teach them to think like God. Think like the scripture. Think theologically. I, we used to say in, uh, in seminary. Everything. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. God, what do you want to do in this situation? What is happening here? He was, and when he was praying, when he said, pray then in this way, he was modeling the kind of prayer that would be most beneficial where they would be invoking the power and the presence of God. Why is this? Because I want you to realize you and I are the God's, we're, we're it for the days to come. You know, a lot of people talk about the two witnesses. Let me plant a little seed here. And, you know, I've, those of us who know everything there is to know about the end times. I mean, I've read the late great planet Earth. I, I, you know, I, and all that. And, you know, we talk about, you know, the two witnesses. We say, well, I'm pre-tribulation. I'm not even going to be around uh, when all that happens anyway. Well, I hope you're right. I'm not so sure. And I was talking with a 
friend of mine today and we've talked about theological things. And I said, you know, I think I've asked you this question before. Are you pre or, or, or post trib? He said, I'm what you said. I said, what's that? He said, I'm pan tribulation. It'll all pan out in the end. <laughs> but the two witnesses and I've 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 heard this before. But it really struck a chord when I heard Jonathan Kahn talking about how that the two witnesses are not two literal people necessarily, but represent because it's the two candlesticks which represent the church. The can, you know, and that one is the Jewish side, the Messianic Jews, and the other is the Gentile church. And if you think about how that fire comes out of their mouths and consumes their enemies, and you think about Elijah, and I'll just leave that hang. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20, uh, verses 20 through 23 say that. Well, I want to come back to that. I'll, I'll, I'll do this now. It says, uh, but Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. He's talking about the things that God brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand, his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. That's all the demonic spirits in every strata of, of uh, cosmic fallenness. Every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. And he put all things in subjection under his capital, meaning Jesus' feet, and gave him as over all head over all things to the church, which is his body. Now that's one thing, but look at this next word. It is theologically loaded. The fullness of him who fills all in all. What is the fullness of Christ in this world? It is the church. It is the believing Loyal, listening to the Holy Spirit, body of Christ. Everybody say amen. amen. The implementation, the execution, the application, the enactment of God's authority in this earth. The actual, not theoretical, actual establishment of the king's rule comes through his agents. Comes through his people comes through his imagers in the days to come you will see the the it, even greater the parting between the separation between the light and the dark those who walk in the light and those who walk in darkness now what did jesus say when he came preaching matthew 4 17 from that time jesus began to preach now, it isn't teaching. This is proclamation saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Literally, he's saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has neared. It's present. It's here. It's close enough to touch. I mean, think about it. Who's saying this? Yahweh number two, God in the flesh. I mean, they look at him and they see a 30 31, 29, whatever it is, year old preacher and who's out there preaching. And if they go by what they see with their physical eyes, they completely miss it. Not everybody that followed Jesus continued to follow Jesus. A lot of people peeled off. Go read John chapter six. 
Oh, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has life in himself. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. And they're going. And rather than ask him, what do you mean by that? They just went, that's not possible. And rather than say, hey, guys, relax, just calm down. This is what I meant by it. No, he doubled down on it. And it says, as a result of that, many of his disciples withdrew and stopped following him. Jesus knew how to empty out his church. I've taken lessons. I've sat at his feet and learned how to do that myself. And, you know, it, and a lot of people still don't understand what that means. You have to put it in the context. How does John start his gospel? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became, like verse 12 or so, became flesh and dwelt among us. So when Jesus says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood is not talking about his physicality. He is talking about the scripture that he is the word, the living word of God. And so he turns to Peter and says, well, you guys taken off too? And what did Peter say to him? Where else would we go? You have words of life. Now, we have been, I've, I've, uh, my pilot friends and I talk about, that are Christians, talk about this. How that we have been in a holding pattern for so long. You know, if you're coming in, uh, I was not here. I was actually flying on 9-11. I was flying down to uh, Poplar Bluff, Missouri, where I was going to be ministering in a uh, ministering in a conference that a friend of mine was having down there. He had asked me to come down and speak. Do you understand how hard it is to try to teach when everybody's eyes are glued to the TV watching the Twin Towers come down? And, and so we're flying out of Lee Summit. Matt Rittermeyer was with me. We're flying out of Lee Summit and we're flying to Poplar Bluff, which was down by the boot heel. Because I need, it was a Tuesday night. Those of you who remember 9-11 was on a Tuesday. And it was a Tuesday. And I had to be back for men's fellowship that night. So we couldn't drive. And by the way, there is no good way to drive to Poplar Bluff. <laughs> and, cause you, and so uh, we we're going to fly down and fly back so that we could, you know, Piper Cherokee, PA-28. And... We're flying and I'm talking to the ground. I've got, I've got, they're doing, I'm a qualified instrument pilot, but we were doing VFR flight following because it was a pretty day. But we were running into such headwinds. There was a strong wind up, uppers out of the, out of the east. And I mean, our ground speed was terrible. And so I kept going lower and lower and lower trying to get below that. And I finally did where I picked up. But as a result, I went off of center's radar. And they just said, 32255, radar service terminated, uh, you know, have a good flight. Uh, thank you. And it's a good thing I did that because right after that, they started ordering everybody down. And they would have had me land in Jeff City, no doubt, or someplace a lot. They, I wouldn't have been able to go all the way to Poplar Bluff. 
So we're flying along to Poplar Bluff, and when we come into Poplar Bluff, I call the FBL and ask for weather conditions, and he says, you're not supposed to be flying. I said, really, that's what I said. I said, how you figure? And he said, the FAA has ordered all aircraft to the ground. And I said, why? He said, because the twin, you know, two big jets flew into the twin towers, and so all aircraft, and then something else hit the Pentagon, and you guys, you know, nobody's supposed to fly. And I said, well, we're coming in, you know, so. We had to drive back because we couldn't fly back. The fact is that it was a, that, that, that was a, a seminal moment in our history and started a contagion of events that has led to where we are. And I'm telling you, God has been up to his neck in every bit of it. Now, you know, we saw great revival for about three weeks after 9-11, you know, and then everybody just kind of melted back into the into the landscape. And and that was the end of it. But I am telling you that the kingdom of that God is, you know, and I've been saying this to you for 20 years now, and I know it, it probably gets old. But I'm telling you, we're there. We are there. We're knocking on the door. Before, I told you before the end, I told you the first of this year, by the end of this, this end of this year, you would see big changes. We've already seen big changes, but there are bigger ones coming. All right. And what I'm saying to you is that remember a little while ago, I prayed God's will, God's way in God's time. All right. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, Jesus had just been accosted, you know, not accosted, not in a negative sense. He'd been queried by the disciples of John the Baptist. John had sent an ambassage saying, are you the coming one or do we look for someone else? He spoke to them. He gave them scripture to take back to John. But as they're walking away, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12. I'm reading it from the 84 version of the New International Version because it gets the gist of what's said. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, not suffering violence. That is the passive. Turn it around into the middle, the, which is perfectly legitimate to do. The forcefully advancing, advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. He is saying that beginning with John the Baptist, from the time of John the Baptist till now, well, what about before the time of John the Baptist? God was still doing stuff, but when John appeared in the wilderness preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it began a new epoch, E-P-O-C-H, epoch, if you want to say it that way, in what God was doing. We stand right at the cusp of that very thing. We're going to talk about how Elijah had to hang around for 42 months waiting on, not even knowing what was going to happen. You mean he didn't know what God was going to do in Carmel? I don't think so. I don't think he had a clue. But look at this. Kingdom of heaven forcefully advancing. In, it's an inbreaking juggernaut. The unstoppable force of light and glory and the forceful ones seize it. Lay hold of it. All right. Remember, at the fall, our world was plunged into darkness. John chapter 1, verses 5 and 9. The light, or John chapter 1, not, not first John, but John. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness could not comprehend it. Better rendering could not overcome it. And verse nine, there was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens whom? Every man, not just the elect. Every man. What did he say? If I be lifted up, I will draw the elect unto me. No, all men unto me. There are many other scriptures like that, but we're not here to refute reform theology tonight. All right. The darkness could not overcome it. Verse chapter, John chapter 3. You can all quote 16, but 19 says this. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and the men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. Ephesians 6.12 from the uh, uh, KJV, but I probably should have put this um, from the ESV. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. I like the ESV. Cosmic forces of darkness of this age against spiritual wickedness in high places. When we said a little while ago that Jesus has been above all of those. Saints, we need to just, we, we need to begin to look at the world through the eyes of God, through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of glory, through the eyes of God's will. And say, you know what? Do I really have to put up with this? Do I really have to, or do I start putting pressure back against it? Now, he said from the, you know, well, Pastor, you know, my, my, when I read Matthew eleven twelve out of the King James, the New American Standard, and even the New NIV, which buckled, it says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Why would the people of the, in, in the 1984 NIV, and why would you say that, that it, you know, that it's, uh, that it's the kingdom of heaven forcefully advancing? Well, look at what he told the disciples. He said, you go tell John, you see the blind receive sight, the, 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 you know, the lame walk, the, you know, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Does anybody under, besides me see that he is steamrolling? God is just steamrolling. Does, does everybody know what a steamroller is? Okay. Steamrolling the enemy. In Matthew 4 and 17, and then we're going to skip to 23 through 25. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, we read this a minute ago, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was going, verse 23, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming, and that's the word for preaching there, the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Now, Sickness and disease can have natural origins, but they can also be demonic. And we know from uh, Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, Peter says to Cornelius' household, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were what? Oppressed by the devil. But come back to uh, Matthew 4. And it says, Jesus, verse 23 again, Jesus was going through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And the news about him spread throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all who were ill and were suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, 
and he healed them. That is the end-breaking kingdom. That is the kingdom of heaven forcefully advancing. When darkness and light collide, darkness must yield. Are you with me? All right. And we know from Luke chapter 10 and verse 9, he's sending out his disciples. He said, heal those in the city who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So healing is a manifestation of God's will, God's way. Everybody say God's good. And we just read uh, Acts 10, 38. Sickness and disease are not God's will. All who were oppressed of the devil. Here's the thing. Great man of God. Back in the 50s. Had a vision of Jesus who talked to him about the end time. And he said. Jesus told him. That the miracles. That occurred through the church. In the last days. Were going to greatly. Surpass. Even those we see in the book of Acts. That God was going to do. Fabulous. Just. I mean. I, Saints. We. I, you know, I'm going to say this Sunday, but I'll, I'm going to take a little line out of Sundays and, and you know, and, and share it with you. We've seen great moves of God in this in this in this nation and in this world. We have. We have. I mean, we have. We saw the revival of divine healing under John Alexander Dowie back at the first of the 20th century and some wonderful miracles occurred. Then we had the outpouring of the spirit at Azusa Street and we saw wonderful miracles occurring then. Then after World War II. We saw such a wonderful manifestation of the healing power of God. If you want to call it the voice of healing, uh, if you want to call it the, the latter rain movement, whatever, you know, it goes by multiple names. And I, I sat down with Paul Tucker, who was sharing some things with me about the things he saw during that period of time. And some of the, and they were just absolutely fabulous. And it wasn't just here. It was happening in England as well. Other countries you know, we're just, you know, just wonderful, wonderful things were happening. And, I, and as good as all of that is, and it was, it's not going to be enough today. Because we're in a very different world. We're in a much more inimical world. The world is darker. Evil is stronger. Many more people. And by that, when you say evil is stronger, the devil's no stronger. The devil doesn't get any stronger. We, you know, they're not having baby demons either. So there are no more demons than there were in Jesus' day. But what they have is they have an increased number of, of individuals who have sold out to lawlessness and are yielding to it. So that being said... To break, you know, where sin does abound, what? Grace does much more abound. God will not be topped by the enemy. God is not afraid of a faked alien landing somewhere. I've been, people have been talking about that. Will it happen? I don't know. Is it possible? Absolutely. We're being set up for it. 
you know, and have been for years, you know. And so, uh, you know, and, 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 the, and when you turn on your TV and CNN, ABC, CBS, you know, you know, the five or six false prophets are all talking about the alien spacecraft that's landed on the White House lawn. Why they would go there, I have no idea. But has landed on the White House lawn and that, you know, and that there's another one in Berlin and there's another one in Brussels and there's another one in London and there's another one in Paris and there's another one in Jakarta and there's another one in Beijing and there's another one and all this stuff. And, you know, and it, look at that and go, man, we're close. Even the elect will be in danger of being deceived in the last days. That's what Jesus said. How did I get off on aliens? By the way, there is no such thing as an extraterrestrial. But there are interdimensionals. So, and they didn't just arrive. They've always been here. All right. So when Jesus comes preaching and says the kingdom of God's here, what's the first thing he tells people to do? It's the one thing that many churches in the America are telling people they don't need to do because Jesus said, repent! Menino means to change your mind, change your thinking, change your paradigms, change your attitude, change your value system, change your very perceptions or you will miss it. In John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus is, this is, as he's getting close to going to the cross. Jesus said, my soul has now become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. No, that's not thunder. That was, very, that, that was the voice of the Father. Very articulate. I have both glorified it and I will or and will, I understood, glorify it again. But the proud said, some said, you know, and we're saying it had thundered. And others were saying an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Most of the people who were standing there missed it entirely. They had an experience, but it didn't change them. They had a they had a, a an encounter of some sort. They had there was a there was a phenomenology, if you want to put it that way, that there were something happened, but they didn't get it. They missed it. These same people were saying, "Crucify him!" Not very long afterwards. They wouldn't know the Holy Spirit if he walked up to him wearing a bright red hat, as I've heard it said. 
And I mean, we, any of us, if our hearts are not tuned, if our thinking is, is, is whacked, if our theology is based upon some of the stuff that's being taught today, and a lot of it, we could be in the middle of the biggest outpouring of the Holy Spirit, watching it happen all around us, and walk out completely untouched, completely unfazed, or worse, even saying, that's the devil. I, made, I started the reference to what Jesus told this gentleman in 1954. He said, at the last days, there will be an outpouring of my spirit and there will be the miraculous like that will exceed even the early church. But many of my people will not accept my power and will not be ready to meet me when I come. John the Baptist came, Matthew 3, 1. Those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist taught. Were you aware of that? He didn't just preach, he taught. And we don't, I didn't record it, you know, because already, you know, I'm, when I handed this scripture sheet to Susan, she said, oh, only two pages. I said, well, it could have been three, but I... But over in Luke chapter 3, remember the passage we talked about where John said to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, you bunch of snakes, who warned you to come from the wrath, flee the wrath that is to come. Nobody in your circle of friends and influence is preaching righteousness and holiness and uprightness and the move of God. And he said, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. And then it talks about how he told the soldiers, don't extort money. He told the tax collectors, don't collect any more than you've been ordered to do. You know, and, and he, he, he taught them how to walk in the love of God. They were asking him, what shall we do? Well, he didn't just say repent. He gave them concrete instruction on how to walk in a manner that was pleasing to God. That repentance, that desire, and that willingness to change, that willingness to allow God to change my direction, that willingness to have my theology challenged. Well, I believe that all my life. Well, you've been wrong all your life. I remember the story about... Um, Prophet was sent to a guy and said, what you're preaching here is dangerous, it's wrong, and the Lord wants you to know you've got to repent or you're going to die. He said, well, I'd just rather die than get up and admit I was wrong. So he did. He died. Just exactly, you know. I've, men back in the, in the 80s, when I was in school, I got to sit at the feet of some, some great men of God. And I heard two of them different times say there will be people in the last days preachers who will fall dead in their pulpits because they refuse to listen to the spirit of God you know people say oh but the, our God is all sweetness and light and unicorns and, and star sprinkles and you know airy fairies and you know rainbow bright and that stuff that's not the God of the Bible 
In fact, in Luke chapter 7 and verse 29, it says, And all the people in the, when all the people and the tax collectors heard this, they acknowledged God's justice, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves, not having been baptized by John. <laughs> I think it was Tommy Tyson. There's a name that'll take you back a ways. Was saying, you know, God might send you a preacher you don't like. But if he sends him to you, you need to listen to him. He said, you know, think about, you know, think about, uh, what's his name? Balaam. God sent him a jackass. Actually, she was a she-ass. And he said, if God sends you a jackass, you had better listen to him. Did he really say that from the pulpit? Yes. To what then shall I compare? Jesus is continuing. To what then shall I compare the men of this generation? What are they like? They're like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another and say, we played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. So we sang a dirge, but you didn't weep. In other words, what do you people want? For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, he's possessed. Then the Son of Man comes eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a gluttonous man, a drunkard, a friend of tax gatherers, uh, tax collectors, and sinners. In other words, nothing is going to satisfy them. There isn't anything you can say. There isn't anything you can do. There isn't any amount of truth that you can whomp on them and expect to change because don't confuse me with the facts. My mind is made up. And this is the way I'm going to walk it out if our musicians would come. When we go back to the Sermon on the Mount, and I made reference to this a minute ago, well, a few minutes ago, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1, and when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. Teach them, saying. He began to teach them kingdom principles. Kingdom precepts, kingdom realities, to equip them with the mindset and the thinking that they need or needed to lay hold of what God was going to be doing with them in the very near future. He began to expose them to heaven's values, to heaven's system. In short, he began to renew their minds. And as they sat at his feet, that's exactly what he was doing, renewing their mind. Well, when you ch if you're renewing your mind, that means you're changing it, right? And that is repentance. We are to live lives of repentance. Not a juice. And so, you know, he gives a lot wrong click and he sees this. For, and this, the, the confederate, the guy behind is an actor, basically, because there is no electricity. But the guy flipping the switches or the woman flipping the switches does not know that. And what he was doing was testing to see how high, and he did a, did a whole bunch of subjects, to see how high they would go under the influence of authority 
to shock this person with what is clearly a dangerous level of electricity. Over 60% of them went all the way to 480 volts. A good slice chunk stopped at 300 and said, I can't, I'm not going to do this. But one of the things they discovered is they put another, they put another ringer in there. And, okay, you're going to watch this person do it. And then you are the next up. Well, the person they're watching do it is a ringer. He's in on it. And when they got up to, to like, you know, 40 volts, and when they go higher, he goes, I'm not doing that. Why not? That's dangerous. I'm not going to do that. This is part of the experiment. You're not going to get paid if you don't do what I'm telling you to do. Well, fine, don't pay me. I am not going to shock that guy just because he can't remember the, the word you gave him. I'm not going to give him 150 volts. Not happening. You know what happened with the next person when they came in? They said the same thing. When one individual stands up and says, no, it flows through the population like wildfire. And it reduced to the number of people who were willing to go all the way to 10%. You and I are going to stand up against the darkness. You and I are standing against the lies. Okay, I'm not talking about just forget about the political parts of it. I'm talking about spiritually because we don't want to miss God in this. And God does not want us to miss him in this. Romans 8 and 6 for the mindset on the flesh, the phronema set on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. What did Jesus say in Matthew 5, 3? The very first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does poor in spirit mean? Everything I have doesn't mean I'm not rich. I might be rich, but I'll drop it. And a nanosecond when God says, walk away from it. Boom. Why? Because he's Lord. He is my God. His kingdom come. His will be done. I really don't like this job. God, give me out of this job. No, I want you to stay. No! What do we do? I don't like living in this house. No, I need you to stay. Oh! By the way, that trip you were planning on taking, don't go. Ah! How many of you know what I'm saying? Sometimes God says stuff we don't want to hear. Anybody with me? But blessed are the poor in spirit because they say, yes, sir. Because they have the confidence. He knows better. He'll get us there. Amen. Because guess what? It ain't going to be long till we're all going to be standing up there in front of the Bema. And I don't want to hear God say, nice try. I want to hear, well done. And that's what worship is. Worship is a relationship. It is not an action. Let's all stand. Those of you watching by web, if you do not know Jesus of Nazareth as your Lord and your Savior, I want to encourage you. You need Jesus. We are already seeing our nation fail. I'll talk more about that, but it's happening. 
when you have a head of a state stand up and refute the Constitution and refute the Supreme Court and all that kind of stuff, the wheels are coming off. And if you think that this is going to be an isolated case, I'm sorry to say it's not. Darkness is encroaching. Lawlessness is in our land and in the world. But God... If you do not know Jesus, you are at the mercy of those of that darkness. But if you will embrace Jesus of Nazareth as your Lord and your Savior, you can come directly into the kingdom of God because he will transfer you, it says over in Colossians, out of the dominion, out from under the boot, under the dominion of the enemy and into the kingdom of his beloved son. You must believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that the Father has raised him from the dead. But it has to be a heart commitment and that is evidenced by repentance. Where you say, God, I don't have a handle on this. I need Jesus. Jesus, come be my Lord. Have your way in my life. Whatever change I have to make, he will honor that. Christian, we live lives of repentance. Because God has great things he desires to do through you. But it doesn't just happen because he wants it to happen. It happens because we hear, we obey. We hear and follow through. Commit your way to the Lord. All of it. All in. 100%. Or as they say in some sports, sell out. Don't hold anything back. Amen and amen. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook. Again, under Independence Christian Center or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily, dot O-R-G. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.